0: Welcome to Newsworthy with Norrisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. All right, friends, welcome back to the podcast. We don't just have one, we've got two.
1: Get ready there. for some double awesome. There.
0: there it was. Mike Cope said he wanted to do a wrap up podcast, and so we're making it happen. My favorite preacher ever from the Highland Church of Christ, Mike Cope.
2: Thank you. None I, taken, I Jonathan agree, yeah. says. I would agree. <laughs> yeah. You know what... It's my dream come true, man. It is.
0: And you know what else can make your dreams come true? Podbeam. It's an all-in-one podcast hosting, publishing server that... It, when I was a churchman, I was trying to figure out how do I get sermons posted online and I found our friends at podbean.com and now it gets even easier. They have an app that you can use on Android or your iOS phone where you can record directly to your phone and publish directly from the app that you have from Podbean. So go check out podbean.com. We've got a discount backslash newsworthy to get that. So Podbean. There you go.
1: Last last month I I pitched for my sponsor the the uh competing pod podcast oh. <laughs> thing. It was, John,
0: that oh, that's, that's so why pretty. you can't have nice things because of stuff like that. That's just rude. <laughs> that's true.
1: Unlike you. Yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> it. Plus we we work with the poor a lot. That's
2: crazy. Yeah, so it makes a lot of difference. <laughs> it <I think>. does. <laughs> Mike,
0: what would your nice what would make you stoop to such a level that you would do a wrap up podcast sitting next to Jonathan Stormont?
2: Well, we're sitting here in beautiful Abilene, Texas, looking at the mountains to the south.
1: That's true. We really are. This is is the one spot in Abilene that you could say, this is really beautiful.
2: Yeah, it is really pretty. Looking down at Buffalo Gap, home of Yeah, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Best barbecue in Texas.
0: Um, There you go.
2: Hard to say that to an Austin guy.
0: Yeah, it's hard to to say that. You still haven't answered my question. What made you debase your soul (laughs) to do this (laughs) podcast next to Jonathan?
2: The level of... I, I, I like this podcast, but I, I'm telling you, you two, you got to add your ages up to get to my age. So mm-hmm. I thought we, we'll, we'll drag in an old guy today. Do you think
1: the combined maturity of us can get anywhere near the
2: maturity you have? <laughs> and granted, like, it, it, one of us it, is stronger in that area than other. Well, that's true, yeah. Hmm. I, I, I don't know, it's like the old saying that... Uh, the average IQ of two teenage boys together is less than each of them individually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it may work that way. <laughs> it's,
1: I, I do feel drugged down often. Mm. Like I need to take a shower after most wrap-up podcasts. Yeah, mm.
0: That's just mean. That's just mean. So
1: speaking of dragging down, I feel like our goal for this podcast should be to deflate you as much as possible. Because there has never been a more star-studded lineup for you. And um, in part because of Mike, um, quest- questionable, giving you access to the people that he gave you access to <laughs> over the past couple of weeks. Um, how how are you – how's your soul doing with all the, the star-studded access that you've had?
0: Um, well –
1: how how many times this past this past two weeks have you mentioned Rain Wilson's name? Hundreds. Like I don't
0: feel like I bring it up unnaturally in conversations. Sometimes oh, yeah. it just naturally comes
2: Put up. That button you're wearing right now. Yeah. <laughs> Ask me about my friend. Dwight. False exclamation. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: sure, I respond to most uh, tweets this past month with a GIF of Dwight from The Office, but I think that made sense. Um, yeah. Like for example, it was it was raining the other day here in Austin. I said, Oh, rain, that reminds me of my friend, Rain Wilson. <laughs> so I, I feel like just naturally it just came up in conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. That,
2: or your t shirt that says faster than eighty percent of snakes. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that's just what's that about?
0: Yeah, I mean, just a conversation starter, I think. Yeah. Y- yeah. you know, I Jonathan, one of the things is that um I'm just a really humble person, and so I don't. Mm. I don't even notice those kind of things. If you want to mention that's that— that's
1: everybody's take on you, I think <laughs> most people that know you think that's the word. That humble, mean. humble,
0: yeah. yeah, humble worthy with newsworthy was going to be the other option. Um, so, Mike, you put me on after you probably were in bed each night at um, the lectures. Do you think next year maybe I could get before dinner time on something? <laughs>
2: Would that be advantageous to your crowd? I don't I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I did put you on right after NT Wright the year before. Yeah. So there's that. Do
0: you do you want me to explicitly know that you hate me, or is that just something I'm supposed to gather from <laughs>
2: Please answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> I just you know, it's just little clues embedded in mm-hmm. life that you've got to piece together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in all fairness, it I I think it was a nice time slot for you. Yeah. That whole Podcast and Stouffer Chapel. Yeah, that seemed to work. Yeah, I'd, that's the prettiest place you're ever going to do a podcast. Unless you go outside anywhere on campus. Oh yeah, that's
1: true. That's true. But the wind, he's got a yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. not the mic,
2: his hair. That's what I'm about. <laughs> yeah, the mic would be fine. They, you can get cushions for the mic. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Thank you. Yeah, actually, we did one at the um, the beach house with John Orberg like two or three years ago, and that that was almost as beautiful as the chapel.
2: Yeah, that's got its own when you're sitting there watching quails breach while you uh, interview someone.
0: Yeah, Yeah, well, you still have a job, right? Like, they didn't let you go after anything that was said with Pete ends on campus, did they?
2: No, Pete did a great job. And and I love it when we have a guest come to... uh, Uh, to speak to us and they take in more than just what they're doing yeah I I don't hold it against somebody if they're kind of introverted and you know they just have to get away I I understand that but I love it Um, you know Pete came to several of the plenary sessions he was pretty available on campus I saw people go up to him and ask him questions and uh, I I find that very meaningful
1: yeah hey I want to say this and I could send this off mic but it's, it's the pepperdine Bible lectures, the stuff that you've done with bringing in people outside of our tribe, has been incredible. The bringing in T. T. Wright last year, bringing in Pete Inns and Suzanne Stabil, Ian Cron, those kind of stuff. I think that's really good for our the better impulses in our tribe.
2: Yeah, I like it. Our our people are reading mm-hmm. them, listening to them, and so a chance to be up close with them. Oh, I'll never forget uh, Ruby Bridges last year. Oh, my you know, goodness, no Having kidding. Ruby come and and tell that story and then kind of break out of her planned message and say, I trust this crowd, so let me share another story. That was really powerful. Um, it was powerful. And it may segue into one of our podcasts because it, it launched a relationship with Don McLaughlin that uh, that has continued, and and, the, and they've become a real force for good. So Ruby and Don. Yeah, at the end of her speech, we were supposed to rush her off to, to a couple places, and Don is standing there just smiling, not asking for anything, just smiling at me. I said, "Don, would you like to meet Ruby?" And he nods, big and comes up, and they just hit it off. Mm. He, uh, Don, and Susan, and then Ruby, and I, and I know since then they've corresponded a lot. She's spoken at his church in, really? in Atlanta. Yeah, they've become. Uh, very meaningful friends, but wow. but she saw in him somebody deeply committed to racial reconciliation. In addition to just Don McLaughlin's kindness, yeah. you know that's extended in all directions. I don't
1: I don't know of a better like human being who's also a preacher than Don McLaughlin, and and what I'm I mean he just cares about you know intersectionality. He is intersectionality in so many ways. All the things he cares about, he cares about the right things. He does it in the right way. Um, The podcast that you did with him, did he fix you, Luke?
0: Uh, Yeah, he fixed me. I can't even say a joke about Don McLaughlin. He's just that good of a person. Um, I loved his idea of, I don't know, the idea, the process that they went through at North Atlanta to try to deal with the fact that they're basically an all-white church in a very diverse community. Mm-hmm. And the first step was simply asking uh, people of color who are at the church already, what's it like to be a part of this church as a person of color? That's a very tangible step that, as a church leader, my first thought was, yeah, we need to do this at the church I'm a part of. Yep. I mean, that's, it's not rocket science what he's doing, but it's, a, it's so so uh, needed.
2: Well, that goes so far beyond just doing a series on racial reconciliation, yeah. you know, of making the making the church believe in it. I, I'm guessing more or less people believe in it. The question is, how do we move forward? And, and that's where he dug down in, took some deep dives into practical steps, um, bringing people into leadership, yeah. um, making people visible in all levels, uh, forcing people to talk to each other. Yeah. Uh, it's all great. Tell me more.
1: I I use that. Yeah.
2: Oh, absolutely. That's so
1: great. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you do want to correct or uh, or get defensive, and it's just a great way to open up conversation more. And anyway, I I use that line all the time because of him.
0: Hmm. Well, tell me more about that, Jonathan. Hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't want to tell you anything but, more. See, see. I like to I like to narrow conversations. That's for you.
0: That's true.
2: I, and I like his idea of overlapping stories. Mm-hmm. That you, our stories are not the same, but we find that they overlap yeah. in certain places, and we we build those. But even before that, rather than me assuming I know about you, or um, for example during the Black Lives Matter controversy, instead of me reading in the newspaper what that means or something just sit down with somebody and say tell me more you this seems to really matter to you so i'm not getting that tell me more and then for to turn it around and the other person to say I, I understand your hesitancy with this why is that tell me more about it and that that leads to places of reconciliation
0: how does he
1: get away with telling talking about white privilege as bluntly as he does but, i mean with he, he, can, he can do it. I've seen him do it with other people. He's very well researched. Like his, the, Even the stuff he did on your podcast about the greatest terrorist act before 9-11 um, was white people killing majority white mm-hmm. people. And nobody made the claim of that being white on white crime. That's an example of white privilege. That's an amazing example. Yeah. And um, he can get away with that in rooms where I could not. Is it because of
0: his smile? Well, yeah, I mean, he does have that over you, uh, um, among other things. But I, I think part of that is he's been in Atlanta for, was it 20 years? Is that right? Yeah. In the late 90s he went there, uh, almost 20 years. Mike, you can speak to this of, is this? are there certain things that you can only deal with after having known a church and a church knowing you over years and years and years, Right.
2: I think so. I'm, my memory is that Don spoke to this even when he oh, interviewed you're
0: right, yeah.
2: go, but 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 it wasn't it wasn't right out of the block. Nope. you know he, he he spent time gaining confidence building relationships and I'll tell you another thing, Jonathan about Don is how often he speaks autobiographically about this mm-hmm. to just tell the story of his family. you know he has yeah. an African American son, and so he talks about the different experiences his different kids have had, yeah. You know, the ones who are, are white have had one experience in Atlanta, and the African-American son has had a different experience. They're the same family, and yeah. he, does, he and Susan don't think of them as with those kind of yeah. distinguishing characteristics, but their experience in life has been different, and so just to speak out of that yeah. is such a powerful thing. Um, I remember one gathering in Atlanta that Don and some others had called together, in. And they just gave us chances to listen. When I sit down with Faith Haygood mm-hmm. or Rudy Haygood and I and it's kind of tell me more, tell me what that's been like, boy, it, it's it's enlightening yeah. to me. My, my life is blessed and expanded when I do that. And I think Don has a way of doing that. But, no, you're right, uh, Luke. I, I think he put in the hard work. Uh, they saw this as a person committed to us. Um, he, he's not just involved in one issue in life except that later they found out he was but the the larger mm-hmm. issue has to do with reconciliation in all of its manifestations that's right
0: that's good i think he said it. this on the podcast so i don't feel like i'm speaking out of turn to say this but the line is that he was in the interview process and he said are you all just bad at reconciliation or do you not care or this is some <laughs> no you, you don't, don't, know don't know how, how to, to do it, it. Yeah, yeah something yeah. that ex- like where it was uh, up front so Anyway, yeah, uh, Yeah. great guy, great conversation, great book, and uh, highly recommend it. So, uh, the first interview of the month, I will get back to order. Uh, David Dark, have you ever read any of his stuff, Jonathan? Have you ever heard of him before? I hate you. What? (laughs) With the
1: the passion, the burning (laughs) fire of telling you about it. What do you mean? So, a year ago, Luke, I told you this book is amazing, and I like this guy a lot. And you, because you didn't get it, uh, pandered to you. You didn't get somebody to just send it to you for free in the mail. But you actually <laughs> had to. He pouted. It. Yes, he pouted and <laughs> resentfully just pretended like it didn't to, exist. To be
0: fair. When you suggest people, I have to automatically wonder, are they Calvinists? Because that's what a lot of this stuff— <laughs> oh. Mike, let me tell you a story. My mom has had some health and issues for a while. She hasn't been to church in years because she hasn't been able to really get out of the house. She right. goes to Highland for the first time going to church in years. And who does Jonathan have preaching? A Calvinist. A.J. Swoboda. A— Cl-
1: he would not say he's a Calvinist. Of course
0: he wouldn't, because he's not predestined to... he, he might
1: send on to Pentecostal. Yeah. 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 And you know what? God saw that day coming, Luke.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it's inevitably over now. Mike, what do you...
0: How, how do you feel about your pulpit being sullied by Calvinism by Jonathan? <laughs>
2: Well, I, you know, Jonathan's still the interim minister. Is that right? you? <laughs> I feel like it. <laughs> oh, wait, no, you were actually named. Yeah, uh, that's right. You're what six years? Yeah. Yeah. No. Seven. seven, seven in August. Oh, wow. Yeah. congratulations, man. No, I have full confidence. Year of Jubilee in uh, yeah, <laughs> in Jonathan. He's about to be my preacher again. Oh,
0: that's right, because you're you're not going to be out in Midland anymore. Come starting December. Is that right?
2: That's right. I'm gonna. Are you, B, uh, you
0: excited to be back in Abilene and hear Jared Robinson preaching and David McQueen? And some...
2: Jonathan's my grandkids preacher. I'll, I'll be right next did to him. Did you say he's the thing.
0: size of your grandkids? What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, let's go back to, yeah. to David Dark. Mike, have you have you read his work before?
2: I had read some blog posts, but not his mm-hmm. books. But I, but I loved the you know, I told you before we turned the switch on that I really liked the podcast. I I think he said some important things. I liked his slap down of Luke on on parables. Yeah, you know, you know, he, he just kind of corrected Luke on, on
0: what. did I say? I don't I I I don't remember that. <laughs> I bet you don't. Anytime, yeah, yeah, that's right. He has an
1: automatic <laughs> kind of editor for his memory. I like anytime somebody slaps Luke down on any podcast. It becomes my favorite part of
2: it. You know, I've always loved people who have the ability to connect with with pop culture. It, at Pepperdine, it's Craig Detweiler. Mm. But, but doing mm-hmm. it in a unique way. I, I, I love that you were talking about the series people did on movies and and the gospel, where everything was reduced to, you know, it, it just basically yeah. becomes a, a launching pad back to the story of Jesus rather than listening to what he calls not the, the message of the movie, but to the witness of it. Oh, yeah.
1: That,
2: that it's, it doesn't have just one thing it's saying, but there is a kind of witness in it, a witness in truth. And boy, I thought that was good. When I hear Craig Detweiler this year, he brought together um, in three different classes, the, the producers of um, Hacksaw Ridge mm-hmm. and the shack. And uh, what was the other one? Yeah, <laughs> if, mm-hmm. if the lecture director was here, we yeah. would know. <laughs> but, but there was a there, oh, oh, and um, uh, silence, of course. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had he had them there, and the way Craig does it is not uh, condensed for us how the gospel is presented in here. But 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 tell us what's happening here. Give us a sense of what this was about. And I saw overlap there with what David was talking about with. Uh, with witness there is a voice here and we are looking for again overlap of truth what what do you learn about life and its complications and so on what's it saying that was good yeah that that is good you're pretty well spoken i feel like you're way well spoken for the wrap up
1: mike what
0: <laughs> <laughs> was that way well spoken yeah, way was that where you're going
1: um yeah that where you're going? So, life and its complications i love the book um and Consequently, the the podcast because I thought he did the same thing. Um, although I did, I was not prepared for ha- as as white as he was going to be about talking about <laughs> you know hip hop. Like <laughs> you know, as my daughter tells me, there's no future in my fronting. that was that was pretty <laughs> great. Might as yeah. well be honest. Yeah. yeah, he is. He is yeah. very honest. Um, one of the things that I like <laughs> about David Dark is that. He is trying to get everybody to acknowledge their religion. That, yeah, because it, it feels like we think that they're in post-Christian America, but not just post-Christian America, post-whatever. That with the rise of the nuns and all those things, it seems like over the last couple of decades, there's been this assumption that there is a box to check that says I am not religious. And um, his take on that in in the book is that is a way of um, writing other people off and dismissing other people and not owning up your own humanity because yep. whether it's your rel- your weird religious background of capitalism <laughs> or whatever it is but you know he, he had that line in the book where he said um, I, I don't just like Radiohead I believe radiohead <laughs> they are my re- religion mm-hmm. they're one among many of my religions things that bind my life together and right. help it but all they have
2: a witness that's, yes yeah we're, we're going with our whole small group to the youtube concert tomorrow for oh. the joshua tree tour and uh that's our kind of small group but, but that's how i would say that <laughs> for me that for lo these many decades you know that's been a witness mm-hmm. uh, in my life have you seen the bono
1: videos on fuller
2: yet oh yeah yeah oh. yeah those were great and, and there's a great one <laughs> People to check out. I'm, it's on the YouTubes, I believe. Um, Jimmy Kimmel the other night where they do. So I've done what I'm looking for. And all of a sudden you realize there's a church choir up in the audience. Oh, well. And Bono says, Folks, let's go to church. Huh? And then suddenly it becomes this worship service. It, it's it's a lovely thing. Which is like every YouTube concert I've ever yeah, been exactly. to. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, YouTube's a great example of what David Dark's doing, but it's all, I mean, everything is like that. There's always this pull towards the transcendent. And we, I think, often trade one set of transcendence for another without naming it, and in and doing that, something I think is lost in being able to connect to other people.
0: Yeah, yeah I think we seem to devalue the significance that everything carries in it. Like, dare I say, as our next guest would say, everything is spiritual, and that there's a spirituality imbued in life that yeah. we seem to be blind to. and. Yeah, I, I think dark is pushing us to that. And I think I, I, I've always had a rub against the like I'm spiritual but not religious line. It's always just it's always seemed very cheap to me, like just a cheap parlor trick to act like you're not something that you actually are. And I think he's calling us to what we are. I also liked his stuff about labeling people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He said when, when I label people, I no longer have to deal with them thoughtfully. Right. It's and the
2: cheapest form of thinking.
0: Right. Exactly. I, I dismiss dis- you. Yep. You're just this, you're not that, and that's, that's all you are. Dude, yeah. that's, that's, that's
1: podcast gold that you get from having Mike on a wrap-up. Hmm. Cheapest form of thinking. Mine would have just been to label you. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Okay, we'll think about that for the next wrap-up, who we asked to be it again. <laughs> um, what did hmm. you think about
2: his stuff about the parables? I just thought that was incredibly enlightening that there's not a point— But they keep coming at you. Hmm. They hit you afresh because your life changes. It's a new setting, and Jesus leaves. Yes, there is a point to the Good Samaritan, but think how many different times we've had different points, depending on where we were, where the world was, where our church was. How many different Um, ways you preach that sermon? Yeah. I think, um, you know, I was trying to get to preach in Spanish out at the prison here and did for a while. So the end of my training. My first sermon I preached in Spanish was in Costa Rica, two one-on-one with my my young uh, Spanish teacher, huh. and I preached the story of the I told the story of the Good Samaritan to her. Uh, no, the Prodigal Son, the Prodigal Son. And when I finished, she was crying. Huh. Now, one take on that is Spanish, <laughs> Spanish was so bad she was broken hearted. <laughs> but, but another what she said I've never heard that story. Where'd you get it? Really, you know. And so there it is in in horrible broken Spanish. You know, crossing cultures. Mm. But it overlapped her life in ways that brought her to tears. The you difference know?
1: between you and Luke is that Luke would have said,
2: Well, <laughs> I uh, I just came up I that. came up with that story. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's yeah. not true at all. Mike, how would you how do you preach parables if they're not just one take on them? If they're if they keep coming out at you it, well in sermons like there's I love guns. the word
2: brugamonishly. Mm. <laughs> brugamonishly. I, I do love how Walter has always called us to look at these stories as imagination. That Jesus is helping us to imagine a world where the kingdom of God is on earth as it is in heaven. And so um, we preach them a bit open-ended. They have application, but the, but the end goal is not three points to write down and take home. That That's not how they come. But they help us imagine a world where life is different than the powers and principalities want it to be.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, I you're like you're preaching now on, on revelation, mm-hmm. the same thing happens in revelation, right? You've got yeah. these bizarre images. You, as Flannery O'Connor said, you've got to talk really loud for the people that are deaf, you know, and that's, that happens in revelation that these images and symbols come and they, they help create an alternate world. It's open. You imagine a world where Jesus, the the the, the bloody lamb, is, yeah. is more reality than the dragon. Yeah. You
0: know? hmm. When I was uh, a young man just starting to read my Bible, I would use the copious amount of underlining and words scribbled in the margins as a sign of like my spiritual maturity. And so if every page had something written on it, then I was a good Bible believing person. (laughs) And I've since, in the I don't know, 15 years I've, I've stopped highlighting at all my Bible because I want to read it fresh each time because there's not just one, one word that needs to be underlined. It's not just one idea to take away from it. And it's very difficult to break away from that sort of fundamentalist. This is the one, reading of the text that's good and right and instead move to like this is living breathing there's always a word in here yeah and you can't reduce just to the word that you heard 10 years ago yeah you know
2: jonathan that sounds like what somebody say that doesn't read their bible much
1: yeah that's that, true That's, that's right. thinking, the reason
2: the notes aren't on the re- you you're the gonna... reason i don't have
1: any other
0: ones. Look, he's Mike, a you're...
1: great wrap-up guy he's a you're great
0: taking...
2: wrap-up guy
0: Mike, you're going down with the wrong horse on this one. So <laughs> you're you're signing a long contract to holes right now, and you're going to see that, yeah. the bad side or of Josh that one. Hamilton.
2: I told yeah. you that uh, you needed to be in the room with us. Yeah. Somehow it feels like two-on-one here. So.
0: Yeah, well, you know, it, it takes two of you. Anyway, so let me tell you a story um, about our next guest, Rob Bell. So um, – Sunday after the lectures, uh, I went to Disney with my family and the Graveses, Josh and Kara, friends of the show, and Kara and my wife, Lindsay, made Josh and I both wear these gray uh, Mickey Mouse shirts at Disney, Mm. and uh, so we were matching, and we were- Yeah, uh, and so we were in line for the Dumbo ride, and they thought it'd be funny if Josh and I, in our matching gray shirts, would ride on a single Dumbo ride together, and as we were getting on the single Dumbo ride, I look over to my right, and there is a six-foot-five man sitting down, and I notice I know who that person is, and I go, hey, Rob, and Rob Bell says to me, hey, Luke, are, are you here with your family? And I said, no, no, no. J- me and Josh, like our families, are up front. But yeah, so that really happened.
1: That's great. <laughs> he knows yeah. Josh too, right? Because he did that five or two day thing with him, or whatever.
0: Uh, I'm sure deep down in his soul, he remembered him.
1: <laughs> yeah, but didn't call him out <laughs> like mm-hmm. that, yo. yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, no, he didn't. So it was um, to
1: somebody better.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Mm. Anyway, um,
1: <sighs> that was a good podcast.
0: With Rob, yeah, I, he he was good. We we did probably thirty minutes beforehand. I was like, I think we probably need to turn the mic on here. And he had some. He was he was a level Rob Bell. Yeah, that day. I felt
1: like that too. So I had not bought that book until I heard the podcast, um, in part because there was like a, I, I didn't know. I thought I'd already read it. You know, he did that blog series a long time right. ago called "What Is uh-huh. the Bible." Yeah. Um. And another part I didn't know what he was going to do with it because it seems like he's doing something you know he once said you can know you can put you can understand almost anybody's what if you know their why and it seems like you know Rob is so far away from what we do now with like pastoral work preaching in a church you know he's he's doing motivational speaking and all kinds of
2: stuff and um but,
0: but that, I mean, that's a small part of what he does, motivational speaking. No, uh, yeah, but, okay. but that's
2: fun, some of it. Yeah. And um, comedy houses, too, yeah, apparently, right. as it turns out. I
0: Nothing really wrong with going really, to comedy clubs.
2: Yeah, I don't
1: know really any faithful people who do comedy clubs.
2: No, I don't know any. Yeah. Rob Bell makes one. Maybe. Yeah, that's true. Just
1: mm. just him. <laughs> mm. um, but, okay, so here's – me and you talk about this all the time. Like, the – the idea of progress, I think, is in the Bible, right? Revelation, Dark King's the, the yeah, moral moral of the moral arc of the universe. My problem is that often people hide behind that and do what David Dark is talking about. It's a label. You reduce other people to their worst, and you hide your own sin and evil behind it. And um, for the first time in, in a while, it sounded like I was hearing Rob say that, like, uh, because he's, you know, he's been Omega Point for a while, right? Mm-hmm. But he was talking about how, um, it, yes, it's, it's one step forward and three steps back. And sometimes it's not just the people who hold on to these ancient views that are, are doing evil to one another. It's the people who are deeply committed to, to progress but impatient with the people who don't see it the same way they do. That was the kind of stuff that I felt like comes when you're rooted into an actual community, um, does that make sense? Like when you're having to deal with implications of ideas in people' life that you didn't get to
2: handpick out of a catalog, or well, it's more generous way yeah, of understanding right. it, isn't it? Yes, you, you want to be generous in your understanding of people. To go back and read Joshua, for example, is jarring to those oh, yeah. of us who've, who who uh, are trained on the Sermon on the Mount, and mm-hmm. that's you know the the whole idea of the the warrior god books you know mm-hmm. that's what greg boyd's trying to trying to figure out how those go together so so it's jarring but but the the generous thing is to say they were seeking god mm-hmm. at that time they were trying to listen to god it's a journey yep and uh, that whole idea you're you your coming about adele i i like that in fact you know the uh, there have been times, Jonathan, I've wanted to ask you, could you burn all my tapes from the nineteen nineties, someplace that are hanging around the church? You know, because that was that was me at, yeah. you know, at thirty-five. Then that's me at forty, and so on. And but that's just the nature of how it is. You know that that we we're as as was mentioned in one of the podcasts, we're human beings. We're on this journey. Yeah, yeah. So I like that. I thought it was a generous approach.
1: I did too. I thought it was very. That's a good word for it. I thought. He was very generous and And that he was writing to people who, he he had both of those people in mind. You know, uh, people who have fancy pants pastor, which by the way, is there a better descriptor of you, Luke? (laughs) Um, Fancy pants pastor who does not take the Bible seriously. (laughs) It could be on your business card. (laughs) Uh, That's
0: Um, good. But people who
1: who have a hunger for like, okay, what do I do with this? Disorientation I feel. This morning I read I was in Deuteronomy in my reading and I just read Deuteronomy twenty one. I was like, ugh, yikes! And I I have every time you're in that in those passages you have a I don't know how to justify this being in the Bible right yeah. and and hearing him say in that podcast you got to remember these are people who were just slaves. They're God is meeting these people where they're at. And what comes? So when you read the Bible, I always ask what comes before it, what comes after, mm-hmm. what is God trying to do in it? Um, spoils a war passage, slaves, and in the surrounding area, they're not thinking when they they kill all the men that they should make the women wives. So that's a step
0: forward. Yeah. Um, so we've gone back and forth about this, Jonathan. About is there progress in the Bible? And you seem to be more antithetical to that idea. Um, Mike, that idea of progress, like that it's going forward compared, like, are we improving as a civilization? And also, like, do you think the text is doing that? Where's where's your take on that?
2: I'm trying to remember which podcast it was. Was it Rob who said it actually ends up being a bit of both? Yeah. Uh, I remember one time, have you, you've interviewed Richard Beck on here before?
0: Um,
2: like a, and, and a
0: million time. times, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> I'll have to listen to him. Uh, no, Ouch. I uh, Richard was out in the audience when I was, Uh, speaking and he heard me say something about how humankind isn't advancing in so many ways and he challenged me and we got into an interesting discussion we never really resolved it but when i heard rob speak of that i thought okay that's right there are ways we are and ways we are not that's right i do tend to read the bible um progressively you've heard that it was said but i tell you yeah that uh but just also not asking primarily and and This is where I think Rob is really helpful. Not primarily, why did God, and then fill in the blank, but why did these people write that down? And then, why has this passage endured?
1: Mm.
2: You know, so it's, as we've said many times before, the Islamic faith is an imperfect man handing a perfect Bible that came straight from God. Mm -hmm. Christianity is the opposite. It's, it's, it's a a book that was written by humans guided by God and by the spirit. But the point is not the book. The point is beyond the sacred page. It's, Mm -hmm. it's the Lord. And so to go to the book and see it as kind of like dominoes lined up, Mm -hmm. uh, is, is the wrong way. The new Testament's reading it from a unique perspective. It's like Richard Hayes says, it's reading backwards. It's starting from the resurrected Christ and, and then it's reading backward. But, but, the the slippery slope of this is you can wind up talking about those, you know, those poor souls that gave us these inadequate books. Mm-hmm. And, and I did feel a generosity with Rob to say no. Ask why'd they write it down? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what are they pushing against? Yeah. What's happening in their world in, in the Babylonian world in the Assyrian world? So I've always I love this.
1: This is the stuff that I wrestle with all the time. I think partly because being at Highland, I mean, just like. Highland's such a mix of, you know, you've got a lot of people in the lower socioeconomic. Yeah. You've got people who are really, really smart right. and wrestling with these ideas and real human community. I think mm-hmm. there's something that forms, it, it, it's something you have to act, wrestle with these questions. So right. I love asking this to you. So I believed in moral progress before I got to Highland mm-hmm. and it wasn't because I saw a lot of like <laughs> backward people at Highland. Yeah. Maybe the podcast had a lot to do with it. <laughs> the wrap ups. Um and I still believe in moral progress to an extent. Like, And I, I was—I had no problem with the way Rob Bell talked yeah. about it. We used to think slavery was okay. Now we don't. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a significant moral advancement. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem I have, this is what I'm trying to wrestle with. You've read Ross Dutat's Bad Religion. Yeah. So how do you assume progress? Like God is drawing the universe towards the new heavens and the new earth <laughs> and also find a way to – to stand against the spirit of the day yeah. without just baptizing
2: yeah. it. We're not just... Uh, this isn't just post-millennialism that right. we have here, you know, where we're going to get better and better and better and hit the golden age and then the Lord will come. Right. No, it's not that. It's, um, But that's part of the mystery of yeah. living between the times is in some ways we see the kingdom yeah. happening and others we don't. For example, some of the things Rob mentioned, that's not universally true even right now. Yeah. You know, this sense of how... Women are treated and, sure. and so on. That's yeah. uh, still very much alive in some of the world. Same
1: way, slavery is yes, you know, we exactly know wrong and it's more happening now more than ever.
2: Yeah. And while we don't live in a brave heart world, it feels like much of the world still does. Yeah. You know, very brutal and in uh, beheadings and so on. So I, I just liked where he left that saying we may not have to resolve all of this, but to observe ways in which there is, we can see progress and be thankful and see ways in which. Yeah. We just continually need to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done yeah. on earth as it is in heaven. I um, like that. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. He was uh talking about one of the issues with missing the Bible is that sometimes we're flying too low and literal literalism can sometimes be the lowest form of reading a text. And so he's he's reading these passages that we know Stormont will rip off in his next sermon series, um <laughs> as usual. Um how, M- Mike is someone who's taught scripture for years, and people who are a part of the churches that you've been a part of uh, know scripture in and out. They've read it their entire lives, and you know Rob's presenting an idea of like here are ways of understanding text that maybe people are missing. H- mm-hmm. h- how do you wrestle with that when there's like unique readings of text that large chunks of people have never heard of before or <laughs> are are new yeah. to them?
2: Yeah, and you know I'm skeptical about some of those because sometimes you're you're finding uh, great insights that are very enlightening just maybe not true, <laughs> you know. So they, they so they have to they, no, they, have, they have to be weighed a little bit too ag- good a- to be true. A- against yeah. others, you know, there's some reason nobody's ever come to that before. <laughs> but having said that, I'm part of a heritage that always suggests to go back and read afresh and look. Mm-hmm. So when I come to scripture, you've got Behind the window, you've got the window, mm-hmm. and you've got the other side of the window. So that's, that's hermeneutics. You've got the writer, the text, the reader. And, and it's this ongoing process of giving each of them a voice. I, my first question, and that was Rob's first one, is why did they write this down? And that gets at historical critical questions where we try to press back. What were they trying to say? What was the best we know about the author's intentions? And that takes lots of work and so on. But it's not the only question. Because, okay, once it's written down, that takes on a kind of life of its own. And I don't know exactly what the psalmist is saying, Psalm 137, take their babies and dash them Mm -hmm. against the walls. But I do know that that text has a voice of its own for a woman sitting in church who's being abused by her husband. And no. nobody knows it. Yeah. It takes on its own kind of life that may be separate from. If if it was a revenge intent and initially with the Babylonians or something, but then there's also the reader. When I come, like this morning when you read Deuteronomy, you didn't just wake up with a, you know, a, a blank slate. Mm-hmm. You know, with a mind saying, "Speak to me, Lord. I'm completely neutral in this." Yeah. You know, you you bring where where you are in your life with your concerns with your family with people yeah. you care about and so it's this ongoing conversation between the writer the reader and the text and i i, I found rob to be writing the uh, to, to be asking the right questions in that podcast mm-hmm. uh, yeah that's a good way to say it yeah
0: okay uh let's talk about the next guest uh our friend rain wilson mike you got you've he- got to spend some time with him before haven't you
2: I have. We, we've had dinner with Rain a couple times, again, thanks to the Bartons. Uh, the first time was up at the Bartons condo. Rain was going to go speak on the Baha'i Faith to the Pepperdine World Religions class. And I love that that Sarah served beets for dinner.
0: Did she really? <laughs> oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. That's amazing. <laughs> Did he get that?
2: Yeah. Wasn't all we had. Oh, absolutely. Of course, yeah.
0: Well played, but, Sarah.
2: Um, well and, played. and then right before. Um, Right before the podcast, he came out and had dinner with my family and a few others, and uh, very, very generous, insightful man. And, of course, my boys and I love him from the office already. But beyond that, uh, I had I dug pretty deep into Soul Pancake a few years back. Uh, I was working with my friend Landon Saunders, and we were trying to think of ways to get this spiritual discussions going with people that tend not to do that. Mm-hmm. And we found in Soul Pancake about as good a model as there yeah. is out there for the people that, you know, they get together with friends. They, they're going to have drinks. They're going to have dinner. They don't mind asking about politics. They don't mind asking about um, yeah. the job and relationships and so on. But if somebody asks, what do you think about God or suffering or death? You know, get, the room gets quiet. But what, uh, what Rain has insisted is it may get quiet for a minute. But if there's true community that's building there before long, everybody's going to be talking. Yeah. Because everybody there knows, even if they're young and don't feel vulnerable, they know death is coming. They, yeah. they know that life needs meaning. Yeah. They know that it probably matters whether there's a God or yeah. not and that there's something in me that's, that, that's stirring. So, uh, yeah, I loved Rain uh, for his bringing his faith interests uh, into into soul pain. What do you th- But what, yeah, just to be with him was was a lot. What of fun. do you
0: think he gets out of having the conversations with Christians? Uh wh- what do you think his impulse is to make him want to do that kind of stuff?
2: Um are you do you want to speak to that or well, no, on? this well, is a well, grown-up I mean, question, so go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I concede on that. <laughs> um My impression is that he's a true believer here. He really thinks that we are spiritual beings Mm -hmm. and that how we treat one another uh, is going to depend on whether we face up to these very basic spiritual questions. And the Baha'i faith is not so much an either us or you Mm -hmm. faith. Now, John Barton has told me there does tend to be an awkwardness in class when Rain finally reveals that the Baha'i faith thinks of itself as sort of the pinnacle as all faith religions probably yeah. would, but at least it's generous. They believe in the teachings of Jesus mm-hmm. and, and the power of the life of Jesus. They believe yeah. in these other things. It's not a combative mode, but it's got its own ongoing discussions. And I don't know if those came out in the podcast, but, for example, homosexuality. I, you know, that's a big issue in the Baha'i community, just like it is in Christianity. Huh. They're, they're strongly opposed to homosexual relationships. And yet within it, there are people like Rain. That are asking other questions about how one might view people if you start with the value of a human being. So they've got some diversity going on there. By the way, Luke, while you were doing the podcast, I was standing out in the, I was sitting outside in the car waiting for you to finish because I had to get him up on top of the the hill. There he's being interviewed by Jeff Walling briefly in another program, and uh, I'm wondering how's it going. And so I texted somebody I knew that was in there. I said, "How's the interview going?" And he said, "I think it's going great. I'm going to check out the Baha'i faith." <laughs> huh, so huh. I, I think there might have been one deconversion that night. Well done. Yeah. I don't so know if yeah. you, you come to my Pepperdine Bible lectures and, <laughs> and you've deconverted one person. Man, that is par for the Starts course. Starts with one. Is you know, that right? I feel like it's like the one starfish on the
0: send- sea, you know, on the the shore. You know, you got to throw them back in. <laughs> Do your part.
2: <laughs> he's sending a lot of people from his church down to sixth. <laughs> 6th yeah. street yeah, yeah. yeah there's oh. a
0: good comedy club there on 6th street yeah that. yeah that I hear
2: did it feel surreal at all i it felt surreal
1: to me just being in the audience hearing you tell him about us watching him play twite at uh, by the way that was our it house it was not, not your
0: house. house it was
1: it was no, our no, house it wasn't ask actually it was our it, house nope
0: no, was not there
1: the yeah, you just re-
0: recenter the whole story around yourself.
1: <laughs> that sounds that sounds right. It, okay, but that felt surreal. I mean, I would imagine interviewing Dwight Schrute would feel I, surreal. Um,
0: I don't know if this is just a grace that I, I don't think about that until after. One of the best parts of the, the conversation was actually before the mics got on. We were in Sarah's office, and Pete ends. Is a big fan of The Office, and so he wanted yeah. to meet Dwight, and so he comes up having to to run up the steps like everyone does at Pepperdine, and ends up with a little bit of um uh of a lost breath. He's out of breath from running the steps, and then he's nervous on top. Yeah. So he seemed like a complete like babbling fan, which was awesome to me. Just seeing Pete so frazzled by <laughs> Dwight uh, that warmed my heart. <laughs> uh, but honest, I that don't was know. Good. I, I don't think I was that nervous to be honest, but it was, I was very excited to meet him and it was, um, it was a fun, fun time. I I did think that the one question I would like to get to is we all have an interpretive tool. We all like, we all read texts a certain way we all interpret things a certain way and he's going to interpret Jesus. I believe he's divine. Uh, we listen, we follow his teachings, but we think he's not the revealed truth, but we believe he's a revealed truth. And I would like for him to interact Mm -hmm. with the idea of, well, that must be nice for you to make the claim that he's good enough, but he's not the final word, whereas he's the final word for us, Jesus is. But then again, we make the same claim, like we're all making a truth claim, and not every truth claim is going to be able to be gelled with one another. And I think I like the Baha'i faith for trying to be inclusive and respect others, but... At the end of the day, there is a choice that you're making with someone, and it's just a different choice. It's not like you can reconcile all religions, but I think there's a way that he is modeling for religions with differences to respect one another and still find a way to be in unity and community, even if you have differences.
2: I think that's right, and that's, that's what John Barton's class is about. That's why John goes to such lengths to take his students to, to a synagogue, to a mosque, to have rain come in. In fact, I, I don't know if you've talked about this before, but John is getting a degree right now um, in the study of the Quran. Really? You know, John's already got his PhD. He and eighteen imams are studying the Quran in, in graduate classes, and it's because he he comes with deep Christian convictions, but he doesn't want to stereotype. You know, he doesn't d- don't want others to stereotype the Bible without reading and studying it. So he wants to know. What it, what it is, and John's the one who said it becomes so clear that for them, the Quran, historically, was the perfect book given by an imperfect man. Now, in more recent times, sometimes Muhammad's, you don't, you don't mention any perfections. Yeah, yeah. Him. But, but historically, That's Muhammad wasn't considered to be a perfect man. Whereas for us, the book is pointing to
1: mm-hmm. the
2: man. It's pointing to the risen Christ.
1: So I see Charles Taylor, secular age behind uh-huh. we're in mike's office okay hold on let's in, stop this for a second
0: I, mike can you speak about stormant's obsession the one author that he quotes all the time before we get to charles taylor who's one of jonathan's favorites his his actual favorite the the perfect man in jonathan's heart gk chesterton chesterton
1: i've invited chesterton into my heart
2: yes <laughs> what do you
0: think that says about jonathan I, well that's
2: that's that's generous and orthodox thank I, you I think that's thank good. you <laughs> do you
0: think do you, have you read Chesterton? Do you yeah, think he deserves it. that uh, that place in Jonathan's heart that's equal to Jesus?
1: <laughs> okay. First, okay. <laughs>
0: if we if we went back and counted how many quotes you have, it's equal of Chester, Chesterton and Jesus.
2: He's very quotable.
0: Whatever. Okay. Oh. Taylor.
2: Like Chesterton, I, I do. I think you're probably reading theology while Luke's looking at NFL draft stuff. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Or so, the man with the yellow hat. Yeah. Just yeah, to my books. kids. Yeah, because yeah. it's
0: so stupid to care about your children. <laughs> Captain Underpants.
1: So uh, a secular age. I see that on your bookshelf behind you. Yeah. One of the one of the things I here, here's what I think the question Luke is really struggling to get out. It actually is. Remember that old uh, parable about the blind men and the elephants. Yeah. Or the elephant, the six blind men. Sure. And Leslie Newbigin's take on that, uh-huh. like somebody's seeing all that. There's right. a platform from which. So there's, there's a challenge when any religion comes together making any kind of truth claim. One of the things Charles Taylor says is we're having the conversation we're having in, it may be post-Christian America, but it's post-Christian America. Or, you know, as, as much as any nation can be Christian. But that, that Christianity created secularism, created space for other people to have differing views, and um, that that's actually from the 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 vulnerability of the cross and um, that there so even even that this conversation is happening it has some Christian instincts behind it so I think that matters I mean we're not creating a caliphate that it's it's a there we we want to live in a country where people can are in a community society where people can believe strongly different things and still recognize the image of God and the dignity yep. of all people. Um, that strikes me as something that comes from, from the Jewish Christian people. That's yeah,
2: and, and and that does not mean we don't then have faith no. claims. Yeah, we have truth claims that we're we're making, but we want a generous faith with others. Yeah. And again, we're back to the tell me more.
1: Yeah, that's that, right. That,
2: that's a lot of what this teaching model is about. Tell me more. Don't let me st- don't let me go to Wikipedia find out everything mm-hmm. about the Baha'i faith. Yeah, but tell me more about what how you came to this, what yeah. that means to you. And to hear him narratively talk about yep. kind of a journey in his life, and he's sitting there with marijuana and says, my life's got to change. You I know? And like, he's become this force for good. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to No, interrupt. this good. It was.
1: I felt like him and Luke really bonded in that moment. Yeah. Luke was like, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes I talk to you, Jonathan, and I feel like I need to start smoking weed. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> it's the only thing to help me get through. Um, all right, so Pete Enns was back on the podcast First time guest at Peverdine, like tenth time on the old Newsworthy podcast. Uh, just a good guy, mm-hmm. just a good guy. The uh, by the
2: way, I need to thank you for that one. Uh, I, I, you know, I've, I love Pete's books. I, the one, uh, the Bible tells me so. I've bought for everybody in my family. I, I love that book and his book on doubt. What's the name of Sin that of book? Certainty? Yeah, the Yuck. Sin of Certainty. <laughs> Obviously means a lot to me. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that that book, you know, if I was smarter, I could have written that book. It was uh, he's a good thinker. Um, he was lively as a teacher. Mm-hmm. But as I already said, the way he interacted with people uh, meant a lot to me. But for him to start in and just face those things and when I was working with Landon, and these are the things we heard what about all the violence in the Bible what about Christianity's hatred of science hmm. and here's a man of faith and an Old Testament scholar saying no 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 that's mm-hmm. that that's the wrong take that's kind of a modern fundamentalist reduction yeah that's right of the Bible but that's not it, that's not a problem with with historic Christianity no. um, yeah well, I, th- there are other ways of reading it
1: Yes, and we're actually trying to be more conservative in our reading by going back to what the
2: yeah the, the way the Bible was yeah we're much written. too conservative to read it that way. That's Monty Cox, <laughs> yeah. man. I love that guy. <laughs> okay. yeah. We're way too conservative to read it the way you're reading it. Yeah, is it uh, was it on the podcast or maybe it's in his book where he does the uh, I I hate oatmeal routine? Maybe, maybe it's in the book. But he yeah. says, if somebody, if right now I said to the two of you, I hate oatmeal, and then I turn around and say, I love oatmeal. Well, then that's a contradiction. But if I tell you today I hate oatmeal, and in 20 years, I'll probably be dead. But, <laughs> but if I'm all around in 20 years, if I say, now I love oatmeal. Well, that, that's not a contradiction. It was a different time. It's a development. Or if you say you love it, and I say I hate it that's not a contradiction either we're different people and so Hmm. that's Pete's way of saying scripture is it's a library it's it's the voices of the people of God don't diminish them just let them have their say and 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 in Jesus Christ we have learned a new way to to come to understand God yeah and now we can go back and we can explore Uh, at the lectures Tom Robinson uh, did a an amazing job at looking at Ecclesiastes. Mm-hmm. He didn't make fun of Ecclesiastes. He elevated the voice of it, but said, but Kohelet couldn't have known something that we know looking back. It's not all in vain. It, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it, it was a great Christian reading of the book
0: yeah. mm. I, without
2: pulling out a Jesus parachute. Yeah, Jesus yeah.
0: Parachute. <laughs> I like the way that Understanding text as a library, as the Bible as a library of books, it seems like it takes unnecessary weight off the books to be something they can't be.
1: You know how the medium is the message? I wonder how much of that is the fact that we have it all in one book where they would have had them all in different scrolls. You know, Hmm. like you're having to pull out and, well, let's see what Isaiah says um, versus just flip over to... You know, does that make
0: sense? Yeah, definitely. I could actually see them making, I mean, surprisingly, it's a yeah. good idea.
2: One thing I wanted to mention, Luke, is to me, this this hits some people as brand new. For us, we've heard that before. Mm-hmm. It's not jarring. But for some people, this feels like, okay, you don't believe the Bible's inspired. You don't love the Bible and so on. To me, the key here is not the. The deductive pronouncements about the Bible, but it's the inductive. Just get in like he did with uh, Kings and Chronicles. When you get in and walk through those with people and they say, hey, that's a little different take, you know? Um, and then you ask, I wonder why. Mm-hmm. People tend not to find that as alarming, then later you can ask, okay, what's going on here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you read the Gospels and you realize, okay, John's... Different. John sound a little different. His chronology the last week, that sounds different. <laughs> why Why is the, the slaughtered lamb seem to be on a different day? Mm-hmm. Well, if you do that inductively, uh, it's a little harder to deny. That's good. And, and so then you come out at the end saying, okay, maybe some of my presuppositions you, weren't, weren't right. You are the Church of Christ Ninja. I mean, you—you you are
1: the guy who knows how to get to play, get people to places in ways that are helpful to them. I have—I well, I mean that, like sincerely and as a compliment, you've done that for me and a lot of people. Um, I have a question about, and I asked Pete Enzis, and I, I, I'll tell you what he said. Uh, but I want to ask you this. Um, so I read the Bible. I think very similarly to the way you do, mm-hmm. and we both care about the very. The, the same kind of things like people who are poor. I grew up poor. I know you grew up around a lot of poor people. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are uneducated are very close to my heart. Uh, my dad has a GED and uh, says often, I wish I could do what you do. That, yeah. that kind of stuff. We preached at the same church for a mixture of people. So here's here's my question. The, the hermeneutic that Poor people or uneducated people have mm-hmm. often starts off as really good news. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then maybe their kids have problems with it and have the kind yeah. of development. Sometimes, I, I don't know how it works out, but how do, how do you preach in a way that doesn't keep, how do you, how do you not just target educated people versus uneducated right. people? How do you invite uneducated people a, a, without being elitist? Yeah,
2: I think that's a great question. And you're at a church where you have to do that um i I like the idea of the Bible is sacred space, yeah uh however, we understand inspiration and it may there may be some differences in our group about how we how we, what we mean by that and when we say that the Bible is infallible we're going to mean different things sure. I mean it's infallible because it points to Jesus, mm-hmm. but it's still sacred space, and so we take all of those people into the sacred space and and we look around now we're not all up on stage preaching, but I think the very fact that they've been in your heart and your mind during the week means they were in the sacred space with you. Mm -hmm. You know, you didn't just take Dr. John Willis, you know, old Testament PhD in in there with you. Yeah. You know, you took Robert in there there with you. You know, you're, you're taking these people into the sacred space and your word is crafted from that place. Mm -hmm. Um, You're thinking of it through their different lives um, of course, you and I understand another level, in a way, Luke doesn't, because we've read Hillbilly Elegy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and he 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 just won't read it. So, um, but but some of that actually is in there, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a sense that okay, I'm I'm at an educated place in my life, and it's easy for me to make some assumptions that that may not at all be true. Mm-hmm. You know, for somebody that that has come from a different narrative. Yeah, and. and- it's and the gospel is
1: supposed to be good news for the very people that we're yeah trying to, yeah I mean yeah so I want to I want to tell a story that I think your podcast listeners will love and y'all will love because it just happened on our Thursday sermon thing that me and you got from mm-hmm. Rob
0: Bell hold on you got from me
1: <laughs> I trusted it because it was Rob so uh, I just did, did you, Revelation and but hold was, on
0: did, did your assistant email my assistant asking for directions though. Yes. So you got it from me, is what you're saying?
1: My assistant got it from your assistant. That's, that's as far as I'll go. All okay. right, hey, press on. So uh, we had... the story. We had just had... Uh, I was going over Revelation 5, winning, losing is actually winning, and then I asked at the end of it, do you all have some examples of this? And they hem-hawed for like 30 or uh, like 20 minutes It came up with a few good ones. But finally, one of the people there was this, this woman named Lori, who is an ex con she used to be a, a newspaper editor in Tyler, Texas, and now after um, her meth addiction, she's out. She's at Highland and in Abilene. And a few weeks ago, we had a video with Richard Beck talking about uh, his prison ministry. And she said when an ex-con hears about a prison ministry, they listen up. Mm. And I heard he was preaching at Freedom a couple weeks ago, so I got some of the women from my uh, the nonprofit she's in to go with me, ex-cons, and they go there, and um, she has, she knows nothing about Richard other than the video, um, but she she's finding out. She looked him up online, finds him. It's kind of a big deal, and uh, he he's sitting down, and she points him out to her friend, and he's got ratted jeans on. He's got he's tatted up, you know, his hairs, you know, he's brother Richard. And uh, anyway, as they're leaving later, uh, she goes one of the. The woman that was with her said, yeah, I just thought he was one of us.
2: I thought that yeah. is what. Yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah, good. And he's not playing. Uh, no. He's not yeah, playing the This part. is it with that's, irony. Yeah. yeah. This is. Yeah. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was just such a great story of that is, the gospel at work. <laughs> I like that.
0: Yeah. That's a grace to have him there at Highland to make up for Jonathan's preaching. Um, <laughs> it had to go there, didn't it? <laughs> it did. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. This was good. Mike, thank you. This was for joining a fun three this. hours. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Jonathan said, hey, how long is this one going to go? And he's the one who's been talking the whole time. I talked so, at the end. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Yep.
2: Enjoyed well, being with you guys. It's been a hard week. James Bond died this week. So, mm. yeah, that was tough.
0: Wait, who did? Which James, one?
2: James Bond. Roger Moore. Roger Moore. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: No. He's a millennial. Uh, he is. John Connor. He's this James Craig, Craig, what is that guy's name? That Daniel, Daniel Craig. Craig. Daniel Craig, yeah. He's also out of touch.
1: <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> that's probably the better.
0: Yeah, I just don't watch movies. I just read books in the Bible to keep me focused on the Lord's work. That's, that's, um, that's yeah.
1: it. That's what we all assume you're doing.
0: All right. Next month on the podcast, let me tell you what we've got coming up. We've got, uh, already recorded, we've got one with Greg Boyd talking about his new book, uh, about some of the stuff with the evil and the uh, violence in the Old Testament. Don't get it worked uh, out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, we've got one I've recorded with Fate Haygood. Um, We've got them scheduled with Eugene Peterson. And then we have an Olympic gold medalist who's stopping by the office this week. So uh, those are some good ones this week. Let me tell you one more thing that's good. (laughs) You know what it is, Jonathan? I do.
1: I think I know what it is.
0: Podbean. They're the place to go for all of your podcast hosting and publishing needs. They take care of you. Their new app makes it super easy to even use your phone to download, to record, and then to upload your podcast. That's all you need. Podbean.com. Check them that out. That sounds like
2: Prairie Home Companion.
1: <laughs> it does. <laughs> what? So hey. it actually is hard to do a pitch. He does horrible at it, but I do worse. <laughs> so I've just decided to be silent while he does it.
0: We, Mike, I'll send you a link for the time Jonathan tried to do one. Yeah, was, I want to hear it. It was life-changing. All right, guys. <laughs> all right. See you later. See you later.
2: Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.